I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be here sharing with you lessons I've learned, conversations I've had that will equip you to create new habits, challenge mindsets, and build relationships that will allow your family to thrive. Grief is a powerful force that can transform us in profound ways. When we experience loss, whether it's the death of a loved one, the end of a relationship, or any other significant life change, it can feel like we've been yanked from our previous selves and pushed into a new reality. The person we used to be with all of our hopes, dreams, and attachments can seem distant and unrecognizable. Pastor Chuck Elliott and counselor Ashley Elliott know what that's like, and it led them to write the book called I Used to Be. See, they suffered three miscarriages, and before they were married, Ashley caught her husband looking at porn. Together, they talk about their losses and how they have overcome them biblically and practically. In my conversation with them, we talked about the emotions that sometimes mask grief, what it's like to hold grief and joy at the same time, and how to move beyond being stuck and find a path to a better future. This episode may not be a quick fix for the loss that you've experienced, but I know it will encourage you in ways that will help you move through it. Welcome Chuck and Ashley to the podcast. I am so thrilled to be hanging out with you guys today. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited. Yeah, it's such an honor. So a question we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? Mm, I like that question. And there's several things that pop up, some things that are good, maybe some things that are less good. So ministry, probably, because we're all involved in ministry. We stay really busy at church. We're always doing something, everybody in the family. And then when I think about the neighborhood, we're probably known for always having kids in the yard. Or maybe the ball rolling out into the street and people maybe mm-hmm. having to stop or something like that. So commotion and busyness, hopefully not too much of the bad busyness. Yeah, you mm-hmm. you mentioned the the bad side of it. Thanks for yeah. bringing up the bad yeah. from our family. <laughs> Appreciate that. No, but definitely the noise. We have three boys and so mm-hmm. it is noisy in our house, but there's a lot of community in that. And so we just yeah. try to hold on to the fact that we want to be together in our teenage boy even wants to be in the room with us. And so there's a lot of noise with our three kiddos. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, I have three kids and my daughter last year was dating somebody who was an only child. And I pro- I swear he loved being over here just because it was chaos. Mm-hmm. And it was just something different. Like there was always something going on. Someone always coming in and out of the house, someone always in the fridge or in the pantry. And I think he just, he yeah. liked being in that atmosphere. Nothing wrong with his family life versus our family life. That's what culture is about, right? But just there was an energy in that chaos that I think is fun and and we kind of want for our family. Like we want there to be always something going on and, and a revolving door, whether it's our kids or our kids' friends. And so yeah. I can really appreciate that for sure. I, I love that because the thing is I can relate to that. I don't have a single cousin and I have like my my mom has a brother, not married, no kids, dad's an only child. And it's just a small family. So the first mm-hmm. time I came to thanks giving in Ashley's house. There were like 45 or 4,500 people there. I can't remember which one. <laughs> There's this, this energy that was going on. And it was like, this is awesome. And then it was like, we'd been married for maybe a year or so. And I was sitting at the counter in the kitchen where everybody would hang out. And she's one of five and friends are always over and things are just noisy. And I was mm-hmm. sitting there and I was eating really, really fast. I was just shoveling food <laughs> in my face. And Ashley was like, what are you going so fast for? I was like, I don't know. There's just a lot going on. I feel like I need to move fast. And 
<laughs> I just felt like the energy pushed me in a different way. And yeah, I like it because I'm an extrovert. I'm loud. I move fast too. So it's a good fit. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's fantastic. All right. So you're here to talk about your book, which is about grief and loss. It's called I Used to Be. Now I'm assuming that you experience grief and loss in order to be able to write from this place. So talk to us a little bit about your experience, what led you um, to write this book and how it shaped your message? Yeah, we faced recurrent miscarriage. So in 2015, 16 and 17, we lost babies. And it was just this sad journey, an overwhelming journey at times, but it, what there were some spiritual aspects to our journey as well. And we noticed some things in our lives that we saw in other people's as well when they faced loss. So our book is not just about miscarriage. It's about large and small losses, losses from death to job loss or moving away or having a friend move away, different relational losses. And we take a relational approach to help people get out of the muck or stop isolating. It's something that we find that people do a lot. And and so we unpack some tools, some counseling and biblical tools to help people find their path forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fantastic. So you're using this concept used to be, which I believe is really powerful. And I've never really heard grief talked about in this way. So can you talk more about this concept and what what influenced you to address grief in this way? Yeah, we saw over and over again how grief changes people. Mm-hmm. It changes you. And you don't just get to have a magic wand and go back in time, you know, unfortunately sometimes, but who you are is different. So you can say my identity is different. So when I say I used to be married, that's an identity mm-hmm. that you had. I used to be maybe Justin's mom or Justin's dad, and then you have a kiddo pass away. Mm-hmm. And it's part of your identity that you lose. And we found that to be a reoccurring theme that we just continued to explore when you found mm-hmm. that things change. Yeah. And one of the things that we felt is we needed to be seen, but we didn't always want to be told what we looked like. And so we wanted to talk about it, but yet it also felt difficult when people would say super spiritual comments like, oh, the Lord just needed an angel. Like, I- I'm not sure that's what happens when <laughs> someone dies. I don't know that they turn into angels, but there would be things that would happen that would not settle well with us. And we just give people permission to lean into that and go, maybe what they said wasn't spiritual. And it it's not God saying that. It's a human who mm-hmm. needs God themselves who's saying it. And so when something doesn't settle, it's okay. We can dismiss some things and accept some things. But whenever we are shifted, when we are different, we feel like we need to be seen. And so somehow telling people about what we used to be or even identifying it within ourselves can help us be able to communicate with our family, be able to find our path forward not just sitting in isolation. And Mm -hmm. and so it helps set us free in a different way. And actually yesterday or the day before that, I received a book from one of my friends, Rachel Lohman, who just is about to release her book that's called Miscarried Hope. Mm -hmm. And in it, she writes a letter to some family members. And and it's just unique because she hadn't read our book, but she said, I just need you to know I used to be. Yeah. And she's like, I used to be pregnant. And she's like, I'm not the same as I used to be. I'm a mom now. And I need you to know that this has greatly affected me. And that's what we see happening in mm-hmm. grief that that people feel different. Like I I I will see pictures and go, that was whenever I was pregnant. 
that was before I knew that was before I ever faced loss. Like that girl didn't Mm -hmm. know what she was going to go through. And it can be just so impacting to everything that we do. And we don't just want to dwell in the, in the sad, but give people a place to look at that and acknowledge like I'm different. I need Jesus so that I can move forward and define who I am through his word. So we are still a child of God that hasn't changed. And what does that mean as we navigate? the rest of our lives. Yeah. My dad passed away two years ago. And like, I'll look at photographs, especially of like family events or my children. And I'll be like, that was when my dad was alive. That was after he passed. Like Mm -hmm. there's definitely like this line in the sand of like, used to be, you know, Mm -hmm. that was when. And so I think, like you said, whether it's a miscarriage or job loss or a passing or even a friendship, you know, when Mm -hmm. I used to live in an air, live in a certain area, um, and your life changed and now you live someplace where you don't know everybody, anybody, and you have mm-hmm. to start over again. Um, those are some, some definitely common things that we struggle with and that we definitely need to grieve over. And you realize all the things it's connected to, because I'm sure for you talking about um, losing your father, you see that photo and you, it maybe brings up other things that are different because of that. Because yeah. that's when that's when dad was here. And oh, yeah, we used to do these things differently. We used to do that thing differently. Yeah. And so much stuff, so many things are connected to that. Mm-hmm. And it's OK to process that and realize it in that moment. Yeah. And a photo brings you these memories and you can process yeah. it and realize, oh, OK, yeah, yeah. things are different. Yeah. He doesn't even need to be in the photo for me to like mm. mark it in my mind and for it to okay. stand out to me in that way. For um, sure. and I'm sort yeah. of like, part of me is like, okay, am I ever going to get past that? And I I may not, and I, that may be okay. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And it changes. And like, what does it mean to get past that? And like that you can look at the photo and think about it mm-hmm. without it's impacting something else, but you'll always remember. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's obvious. I mean, there are certain situations where it's obvious where you're experiencing lots of grief and loss. And so grief shows up in a a range of emotions. And sometimes we don't realize that we're grieving because maybe culture hasn't told us we're allowed to grieve certain things. What are some other feelings that we might be experiencing that point us to underlying grief, that there's there's something else going on? Hmm. We see and we've experienced just this underlying irritability or anger that lets us know that something's not right. We're dissatisfied with the way that things are. And maybe we're not identifying that we had this used to be that we're missing or we're grieving. But now Mm -hmm. we know we feel dissatisfied with what's going on. And it's just kind of across the board and experiencing anger that things aren't the way that you want them to be. Unmet expectations seem to be bothering you or you withdraw. Maybe you're typically outgoing. And you just mm-hmm. find yourself wanting to isolate mm-hmm. and some of those symptoms and other things that could be coming through that we we have to be curious about. Yeah. And in our book, we talk about an anger wall and we encourage people to think about what's behind their anger. Because in relationships, when we feel angry, we feel powerful. Typically, you mm-hmm. did this and you're wrong, right? And I would have never yeah. said this hurtful thing if you mm-hmm. hadn't done this. And so we could put the blame on someone else and we are a victim. And so we feel powerful and yelling or just shaming someone else. But then if we're really honest with the feeling, Maybe we feel disappointed in ourselves. Maybe we feel jealous of something someone else got. Maybe we feel just unskilled at communicating. We feel vulnerable. There's so many things that can be beneath our anger wall. And we give people permission to just lay down their anger, to think of what's behind it, beneath it. 
and try to then explore how to meet that need in a healthier way. So with our anger might come for me, it would be sometimes that I feel disappointed or I'm overwhelmed. And so, okay, so I need to communicate what I need before I get up here where I'm going to yell or raise my voice or something. But I, I need to say, okay, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I need something. Let me ask yeah. you to help with X, Y, and Z. And yeah. it's a lot harder to be perceptive and actually take care of ourselves mm-hmm. sometimes than it is to just let ourselves explode, say sorry. Mm-hmm. And so just understanding the breakdown of relationship comes from a lack of self-awareness a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I think it's super important to understand our emotions, to sit with God and say, Lord, I don't understand. Help me. And sometimes we don't get an answer, but we do understand more and more over time whenever we're seeking the Lord and bringing him, especially into our negative spaces. You pointed out jealousy there. I think that's something to explore that we haven't talked a whole lot about. not trying to just put you on the spot while we're having a conversation with somebody else, but I just (laughs) think that like the jealousy thing, like when you see somebody getting something mm-hmm. that you feel like you really want and you're you're grieving something that you had an expectation for. Mm-hmm. Like if you see somebody in a relationship, and I know that we've had lots of conversations when we saw people pregnant, a mm-hmm. couple pregnant after we experienced a miscarriage, like we're excited for them, but also nervous for them, but don't want to say anything. And some of that jealousy that comes in, but it's, it's, it's a complicated thing. Yeah. So when you see, when you see somebody and you're jealous, it could be an expectation that you had mm-hmm. that you haven't processed. Yeah. And even in that situation, you're like, why, why are there people who don't want to be pregnant who are able to carry their baby and and us who we wanted to raise our child to love the Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can just wonder like, God, I, I know that you have a reason, but it seems confusing why you let these things happen in the way that you do. But yeah. then at, at the root of it, when we kind of look behind our feelings, you Chuck ask a question sometimes, like, can we trust God? And I think that that can be comforting whenever we let go of some jealousy and you say, okay, Behind my fear is a lack of trust in God. Behind Mm, my jealousy is a lack of trust in God. Behind my anger is this, everybody should take care of me or see me or you're not taking care of me. You don't care for me. Oh, does God care for me? In looking at how God might actually be a strong force in our relationships, I think is, is really powerful. Yeah. What comes to mind for me, I think that my grief is displayed in apathy and also like annoyance. You said irritability and distancing myself. I think of, you know, holidays without my dad, I have become apathetic and I kind of don't put the effort into preparing for the holidays in the way that I used to. I find that, you know, I used to be an interior designer. And so I still, you know, have my hands in it here and there, but I, I won't read anything that has to do with it because I'm like, I'm not that anymore. And even though I've left that season and potentially I'm going back into that season, I I have walls, walls that definitely go up. And it's usually through apathy and distancing myself and acting like I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Would you be Accurate comfortable? Example. Would you be comfortable exploring that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Okay. So if you used to be an interior designer mm-hmm. and then you also say like with the holidays, is there a tie to your relationship with your dad that you notice between there or is that different? Unrelated? Oh, I think those those two examples have nothing to do with each other. Okay. I think I I just, I've recognized the, the similarity with how I approach okay. what uh, I used to be. Right. Okay. So like the yeah. loss, instead of just like being super sappy or sad, I'll just be like, eh. I want nothing to do with it. You know, like I push it away as a whole. 
For sure. And I think one of the things that I've heard people say is that they just want to not feel the pain. So they mm-hmm. kind of will just stuff things down. Yeah. And then we find, oh, we can't selectively numb our emotions. We're we numb, not that good. We numb the yeah. joy and the excitement as I well. Know. And so yeah. we find ourselves just feeling like, eh, it's a sunny day. I don't Yeah. I don't care. And we don't want to be that way, but it's a coping mechanism. It's the way that we're trying to survive and we don't want to be negative. So we're like, "Uh, Mm -hmm. how do I not feel all of that? And so I do think it, it goes back to us trying to do the right thing. But again, if we feel like this isn't really working for me, let's lean into that because Mm -hmm. the Lord will help us gain insight to his way. Yeah. We're looking to his word. And like the verse that I love, it says, God's way is perfect. And I just recite that over and over again. Mm-hmm. Lord, am I getting it going in my way again? <laughs> because this is kind of messy. Like what's your way? And so yeah. as we look to the Lord, he can show us, you know, whether it's with Christmas or interior design or disciplining kids or going to work or getting laid off and how to figure out finances, whatever it yeah. is that we used to be, the Lord is our rock. And mm-hmm. if we realize we don't feel very grounded, then maybe we aren't going to the rock. That could be one thing. And even if we do, for me, we were faithful in ministry. We didn't quit serving God and and we felt some absence. We felt some silence. And so I think that's an important thing for people mm-hmm. to talk about as well. Don't just over-spiritualize it and say, oh, everything will be great if you just trust in the Lord. Yeah. It's okay if you don't feel God's presence. God is still worthy. And even if we don't know what God's way is like, Lord, I don't know what to do right now. Well, God's way is perfect. Let's dig in scripture. What could I glean from scripture to help me know how to live today? Okay. We are reading in Colossians today and it says, think of the things of heaven, not of this earth. And we're walking and we're like, man, it is so consuming to think about this earth. Got to get the Mm -hmm. kids to school on time. I've got to get my agenda going. I've got to keep up with things. And we're supposed to think about heaven. And so we don't have to do it I mean, maybe we should do it all day long, but mm-hmm. it's not realistic for most of us to think about the things of heaven all day long, but we need to train ourselves to keep mm-hmm. bringing God into our moment. So we were walking and talking and said, Lord, we acknowledge this beautiful sky and we can see so far, yet the heavens are even greater and we trust mm-hmm. in you. We align ourselves to you. And I think that my anxiety just for the day just began to lessen, like my shoulders yeah. started to drop. And I think I know that I frequently take all of the burden on and try to do all the work when I really probably need to rest in the Lord more and trust him to help me through all the muck. Yeah. I think what I'm learning about grief is that it's okay to hold joy and grief at the same time. We've had previous conversation about this, but like enjoy the holidays and still be sad, Mm -hmm. like have fun but still miss something. And for me, like I'm learning, even with design, I can still embrace design and enjoy design and read the magazines and still be sad that maybe that's not the season I'm in right now. And so I'm trying to learn about holding both. So what are your thoughts on that? I think that's a good practice. And there's been several things that you've said that you've done the work, like you've recognized the pattern of like it used to be interior design and like having your dad and the, the apathy that comes in. So there's been several things that you've said mm-hmm. that have that have shown that you like your emotional intelligence is very high. So but talking about how you can have those two emotions at the same time, like that's completely mm-hmm. okay. And for some reason, people think that you have to be all one thing and that's it. And if you're not, that makes you unstable or that makes you crazy or that makes you weird. No, mm-hmm. you're complicated. 
So it's completely appropriate to feel that and to go from one thing to another. With some of our losses through miscarriage, we we cried and we were just sobbing and couldn't function any other way. Mm-hmm. And then other times it was shortly thereafter we got the the disappointing news and we were playing a game in the front yard with our kiddos. Right. And we were still upset and we were still grieving, but we knew that it felt like the right thing to do to be happy and to laugh with the kiddos. Mm. And, I, and it I doesn't wasn't. dishonor, sorry, it doesn't dishonor what it is or who it is that we've lost to have mm-hmm. joy. Mm. Yeah. And I wasn't fully happy in that moment of throwing the frisbee or playing in the sure, front yard. Sure. You know, there was a part of me that felt like this is weird and this is not okay. I also remember going through the drive through one of the times because I didn't feel like cooking and I felt so fragile. Like this person who's taking my order doesn't know mm. what I have gone through. And I yeah. hope that they're not having a really bad day because I just don't know that I'm going to be able to handle it. <laughs> and I think it's just helped me have a lot more compassion for people when they are unkind. And we do try to ask people like, hey, how's your day going? And people will often be pretty kind before. And then we say, how's your day going? And they're like, oh, it's hard. And I think we're just so good at trying to be nice until we flip a switch. It's true. And I think that it has helped people when we do ask. And so I think, again, in the moment, I can remember feeling overwhelmed. But then I also have tried to take a lesson from it. And that's our desire Mm. with this book, that we're not just learning about ourselves and grief, but then we're able to have better relationships because of it. And better relationships with people we will never talk to again. If it's at the grocery Mm. store or the bank, if we can be more kind to those people, they have children, they have family, they have other customers. And if we can help them, even if it isn't that we're going to talk specifically about their grief, but if we're a kind person to them that Mm -hmm. shows them that we see them, it can help them feel seen by God. It can help them face their grief or their other losses or emotions that they experience. And you say that about the two different types of emotions. Ashley's taught about this and written about it more, but emotions are teachers. So if you're feeling happy, okay, why am I feeling happy? Because I'm enjoying something right now that is okay to enjoy. Why am I sad? Because I'm sad about something that's okay to be sad about. Okay. That Mm -hmm. seems that's, that's reasonable. That's teaching me something that I'm processing two things at once. Mm -hmm. Completely normal. If you are happy about the bad thing that happened in a vindictive or angry way, that could be something worth exploring and something mm-hmm. you probably need to have more conversations and do more work in. But yeah. if, you th- if you're curious and say, my emotions are teaching me something about me right now and say, no, that's okay. It's okay that I'm happy about this or feel joy in this moment. And it's okay at the same time that I'm also wrecked on the inside. And sometimes, sometimes we lie, we lie to ourselves. I, I'm a pretty honest person. And we will talk about it even with our kids, like, we don't lie to you. And you know that, right? And they're like, yes, we know that. And as we were praying about it and studying it in the last year, I realized that I lie to myself sometimes. Oh. And one of the things the other day, <laughs> he was touching me like, and I'm like, it'd be better if you just don't touch me. And, and I was just <laughs> upset and it's, I have been having tailbone pain. I have these things and I'm like, if you just don't touch me, I think it would be better because I get scared that it's going to hurt. And mm. in the moment I lied <laughs> again, not that I'm really trying to, but I, that's my way of coping. Right. And like, can you just not touch me? And in reality, I don't want him to stop touching me. And I love his response. It was the next morning. He goes, 
And by the way, never going to stop touching you. <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm telling too much, but I so, a little bit too much, I so, but it's okay. I so appreciated it because that's the whole like see me, don't see me feeling that I'm right. like, at, at my core. I was grieving that I felt like I couldn't have the connection that I needed. And so I'm like, if you just don't touch me, maybe it'll fix things. And it doesn't, but it's the the dissonance that we feel like this is a need, but I also feel scared. Right. And I don't know what to do with it. And so again, I appreciate that he's emotionally intelligent enough to see past, you know, my, my emotional words that come out sometime in a moment that maybe in that moment I was needing a little bit of space, but not for the rest of our relationship. Yeah. Well, that leads me to my next question. This idea about grief and relationship, like see me, don't see me, this isolation we sometimes go into when we grieve. So if, if grief is not dealt with in a healthy way, it has impact on our relationships. Can we talk more about that a little bit? Oh yeah, it's a dis- distancing factor because if if you're not processing your grief and your loss, mm-hmm. you are resistant to emotionally engage with other people. Mm-hmm. You're resistant to engage spiritually because what if you have a distance between you and God because you thought something was going to happen that didn't happen and then you're not available for the spiritual ways that God wants to connect with you that he teaches mm, us in his word yeah. things that you experience in your own devotion time you're not open to that and if you just play this out Ashley and I talk about leaving a legacy if you don't do the things that you need to do to process your grief and your loss mm. you're not as available to be what you need to be for the rest of your family mm, your friends your neighbors your the other people who go to church with you, your people at work, there's an impact that's going to take place because you know that when you're hurting, you think you can just say, well, I'm just not going to talk about what it is that I lost and I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't work that way no. because you can't just hide it. Say, if you're really upset about something at work and you practice and practice and practice, keeping your mouth shut, never saying anything at work, do you think you're going to be more emotionally and conversationally available to your kiddos at the end of the day or less? you're going to be less Mm -hmm. because you're practicing being emotionally and conversationally shut down. Mm -hmm. And there's an impact that happens across the board. You're practicing. You're teaching yourself to do something with your emotions and your your grief and your loss whenever Mm -hmm. you do this. And if you continue to practice being shut down, you're going to be shut down in your relationships. And we've seen it that it's it's a strain whenever somebody loses somebody or something that they they loved on a relationship on a marriage it mm-hmm. it has an impact yeah and we yeah. want to be current in our relationship that means we don't have any unresolved issues between us now we don't perfectly resolve everything so when we say that we're current it doesn't mean that we perfectly perfect. have yeah we have no issues doesn't mean we're touching <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it means that we've at least talked about the issue. So if yeah. the the issue is that we aren't spending very much time together, we are current. We've both shared that that's a desire that we have, a shared goal or one person ha- needs more physical affection. It's on the table. Whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've had mm-hmm. a conversation about it. We may not perfectly resolve it, but we get current. If yeah. we aren't current in our marriage relationship, in our relationship with our kids, even with our coworkers, colleagues, people in our family, 
then we become less emotionally available. We become less mentally stable oftentimes in our other relationships. And so again, if we're to function as the body of Christ, where we are able to be God's hands extended, then we need to take care of ourselves. And so there's that mask, oxygen mask Mm -hmm. analogy, like you put the oxygen mask to yourself first, like take care of yourself, engage in self-care so that you can, you know, deal with the issues and be current. Because then Mm -hmm. when you're walking in the neighborhood, you can talk to that neighbor and you can have a little bit of emotional bandwidth to carry their burdens and to pray for them. When you're at church, whenever you see someone, you don't look the other way and dart somewhere. You're like, I can't handle this conversation. You can be emotionally there available for them Mm-hmm. because you're taking care of yourself. And I don't want to yeah. shame anybody for feeling overwhelmed because I've been there. We don't ask for it. I didn't ask to go for a mis- through a miscarriage over and over and feel weak. I haven't asked for some of the work situations I've had that have made me feel weak and unavailable. But the first step is to be aware that we feel weak and overwhelmed mm-hmm. and to try to do the work to get healthy. And so that's what we try to spell out in the book, like a path toward health. And there's a million different ways we can get healthy, but this is you know a step, a path that we create. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that in just a second, but I wanted to share as you were talking, it reminded me of, so when my dad passed, there was a, a, a group of my friends that weren't able to come to the service because it was far away in the middle of the week and they have little kids and all those things. And they actually texted me and they're like, okay, Saturday at 8am block off the whole day. We're just, you're just going to come over. And they literally made space for me from like 830. They had breakfast at my friend's house and their husbands all took the kids out. And from eight to two, they just made a space for me to just talk about my dad and to say whatever it is that I wanted to say and to like, just pray with me. And it was like, so incredible because it never happened before, never experienced anything like that before. And I know with other people that have lost loved ones, I mean, I don't think to do that. I think, you know, everybody gets wow. back to to business, right? And for me, I can relate to not wanting to burden my friends with my emotions and my feelings and the yuckiness of the grief. And it was just, it was such an incredible experience to have that space, just that space. And it, it kind of eliminated the needing to run into everybody and tell them how I'm doing because all my people were there and we just sat and we just hung out and we laughed and we cried and we talked and it was really special. That sounds really special. That sounds like a good example that I'd like to see other people do that. And what a gift to give that to you is like, this is the time that you're going to do that. And I imagine that it, it did something to you like the day after the week after oh, yeah. there was something that you had, you'd, you'd done a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It was like, a, it was like a grief intensive with your friends. Yeah. It was like, but like in a sweet way, not yeah. like you were being pushed to do something. That's really No, good. no, it was nice. And so with my, I have two, my two oldest have just left for college. And so me and a couple of mom friends were like, okay, as soon as all of our daughters leave, we're just going to spend the day together and just, <laughs> just be a hot yeah. mess together. That's great. <laughs> Love it. Because it's a big transition for all of us. And so I think that that can even be replicated. We might do it at the beach or at the spa, but we're going to do it. (laughs) So I think that that can certainly making space and sharing your grief with your Mm -hmm. friends, I think could be really, really helpful in many scenarios. And I think that example of your child going to college, is a good example of another one of the small losses that sometimes Mm -hmm. you your kiddos like what mom it's a loss this is great i'm excited but acknowledging that you someone else's blessing mm-hmm. can be another person's loss and mm-hmm. it can be hard for transitions 
But again, it's okay to be happy and to be smiling and taking pictures of your child in their dorm room, but then also cry all the way home. <laughs> Feel <laughs> a little overwhelmed. Like this is an era that is changing. And yeah. feeling both feelings is okay. And just navigating one by one, step by step. You know, I I will connect with my friends. I'll make a spa day. Like, what mm-hmm. is it that I need? How do I meet mm-hmm. those needs? I think is yeah. just such the goal. Yeah. All right. So you have some coping strategies in your book and they're the three A's, I believe, correct? That's one of them. Mm-hmm. Three. Okay. So t- share a little bit about that with us. Yeah. So in the book, we talk about a lot of different strategies and we use biblical mental health tools. And so one of them is called the three A's. And basically we walk through a lot of different examples in the book, but we invite people to think about their loss, their life. So we give some fill in the blank prompts. And that's kind of part of this first day, which is to build awareness. So in the addictions field, the first A is to be to be aware is the first step. And so you become aware that you have a problem. So for us, we become aware that we have a loss that's kind of creating some identity challenges in our lives. And so it's the three A's to change really could be used for changing anything, even if it's a fitness plan or if it's a a relationship, the way that we really want to change it. We're aware. What is the issue? So for us, we were aware. I am grieving And when I'm mad at the kids, I think I'm really just a little mad at them. And I'm a lot mad about life and circumstances. So whatever it is, what is it that I need to change? What's hurting? What's not working? So that first A is to be aware. And then that second A is to assess. So we're going to assess what can I do? What have I done in the past? So that first one will go through like, what have I done in the past? Has it worked or hasn't it worked for me? And then we want to try to brainstorm a lot of different options for how we can move forward in the future. And so for you like with, with family and Christmas and trying to figure out, you know, it's like, Oh, we use a three A's. Okay. I'm aware that Christmas has been a little bit harder. So I'm going to assess like, well, what have we done the last couple of years? What, what worked or even years ago, what are some of my favorite things? What has worked that I loved? What now feels painful? What didn't work in the past? Mm-hmm. You know, do I is apathy serving me well? And then go into okay, what are some options? Okay, we could run away to Hawaii. We could <laughs> avoid Christmas. No one's coming over. Like eh, maybe we don't want to do this, but it's okay to be creative with our brainstorming. But then, okay, maybe we do this, this, this. You know, you get four or five options. It might be realistic options as well. And the reason mm-hmm. we encourage people to come up with the outlandish options as well is because it reveals some of your desires or your needs. Mm-hmm. So if you say, oh, yeah, Hawaii would be great. Well, what is it about Hawaii? That would be, oh, mm-hmm. the warmth, the beauty, the fun. And so, oh, do we do a beach theme party? Do we do something mm-hmm. that feels warm with a fire? And so we get yeah. that warmth in a different way. And so we're kind of just looking for what our needs are and our desires. And so then that third A is to act. So we're going to act. We're going to do something. We're going to pick something from the list, try it. And if it doesn't work, then we're going to keep going through and brainstorming. But this Mm -hmm. idea of coming up with options and trying things is super helpful. And a lot of times when we get in a negative space where we feel overwhelmed, we say we're out of options. And it might Mm -hmm. not be that we say, oh, I'm out of options. We're just like, I can't. It didn't work. I tried talking. Yeah. 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 And so our attitude, our heart is that we're broken or someone else is broken. It's not going to work. All of the things that I've tried just didn't, didn't bring the results that we wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of going to Hawaii. Although we, we've thought, I mean, I've thought about celebrating a holiday somewhere else where we would never go. What do they call that when it's like a positive disruption? 
there's an expression for it. Like, you know, like the business people that intentionally disrupt the way there's like a certain expression, but it's this idea. Some some people call it a FedEx day. Whenever you do something different than what you typically do at work, that's a thing. Because FedEx would have it where people would spend a certain amount of time just doing something out of their lane and uh-huh. something creative. And they found a lot of innovative ideas came from that. Yeah. You get get an idea uh, in 24 hours. So you can't yeah. get the space. Yeah. But, but yeah. I know the term, I think what you're saying, but it's not coming. To I can't me, think. So. Of, it's very catchy. It's very trendy. But it's this idea of being a disruptor, right? Like there's another word. It doesn't matter. But this idea of change, what if we changed it drastically? Like these outlandish ideas to kind of mm-hmm. like shift the momentum and, and get us unstuck. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, something disruptive. So we're going to Hawaii, Ashley. Yeah, we're going on vacation. Holidays are coming up before too too long. Yeah, so. exactly. Okay, so I just want to touch on one thing before we wrap up. You did mention this idea of like in in the title of your book, large and small losses in life. So what are some small p- losses mm-hmm. that you can give us permission to grieve? I do think that. I think we've kind of touched on a few, like this idea of I'm really excited for my kids, but I'm really sad they're leaving. I'm really excited to move, you know, mm-hmm. to Hawaii, but I'm really sad <laughs> yeah. about leaving my community. So what are some of these things that that maybe we need permission to grieve? Because I do think culture wants us to just be excited for the next phase, get over yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we're cautious to, and we have it on the front of the book. So obviously we help people to identify with it, but we we're cautious not to say that these losses are all big. These losses are all small because we don't want to minimize something because you experience right. grief in different ways <clears throat> for things. Something that we've seen that are uncommon things is, I think we talked about this a little bit already is friends moving away mm-hmm. or are you moving away somewhere else and you lose that circle? It's like, it, yeah, you're grieving. Your, your world is different. Yeah. And we had some friends that were close friends who lived just right across the street from us. I grieve the fact that I don't know when they're getting groceries now dropped off at their front door. Like, it's okay that I'm a nosy neighbor and I would text Mm -hmm. them weird things. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I grieve that part of my life, but I do think about it because we went on a walk this morning and the houses and the cars in the driveway are different and seeing their kids run out the front door. And that's Mm -hmm. that's something that's changed. Yeah. What about work processes or friends who just, what if you have an office and somebody moves offices or a cubicle? And I'm not saying that it has to be this thing that you're you're taking a massive amount of time and all of this to, to grieve, but recognizing it, that something was different and you miss the way that it used to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been in ministry and Ashley's been in ministry for well over a decade now and doing this. And we see that there's many, many little things that we grieve and things that we lose. And if you're not careful, you won't process any of them mm. and you'll be burnt out. Yeah. And, and if anything, you'll become numb. Because you find that there's too much that goes on. I can't really emotionally be available. And there's a consequence to that. So we've seen things that are small and things that are that are larger, but we're just trying to recognize it. And I think one of the things you said that reminded me about a work response that I had, we would have so much turnover in one of the jobs that I had that I would find myself not being super interested in getting to know the next person. Ooh, and I yeah. would kind of be like, eh, yeah, hi. Instead of, hey, tell me about yourself and welcome to the team. Yes. Yeah. And so I I did catch it and I stopped doing it. And I started Uh to try to be more intentional when people are in our space, at least, that I would try to say, hey, if you need any help with this, 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 you know, I would love to help. I try to keep my door open and I would stop by and ask them questions. Hey, how are you acclimating? How are your classes going? Anything not working for you? I will help you problem solve. And I think that 
that's again, the healthy version of being mm-hmm. current. I'm current with my job. I've grieved the losses and I didn't completely blame the workplace because right. what we do is we blame an institution and an institution although people say it has a heartbeat, it literally doesn't. It is the Mm -hmm. heartbeat of humans. And Mm -hmm. if we can understand, like, I'm really mad at my work. Like, okay, can you name the people? Not that you want to name it to all the people, but you want to figure out, oh, it was this person and this person. They didn't see me and I feel hurt. Or this person left and I feel hurt. Wait, that has nothing to do with this new person. I want to change the culture. I want things to be better. So I need to be different. I don't need to be shaped by my grief and let it control my Mm -hmm. future. I want to acknowledge that, yeah, I'm impacted and that was a bummer and we need to do some things to change the Mm -hmm. future. And I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. Yeah. Well, when I was when I was working full time in the workplace and then I became a stay at home mom, I had no idea that that meant that those people that I was sitting next to and in the trenches with five days a week, 40 hours a week, that they would just be done, that they wouldn't be in my life anymore. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, I was, we were, I was working in Manhattan at the time. And so they're not coming out to Jersey. They're not taking mm-hmm. a train out to the suburbs. It was over. And it took me months to look back and go, oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh, they're not wow. in my life. I didn't even realize I had, of course, I had a baby and a new house. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't even thinking about those losses. And then it was months later that there was a ripple effect where I was like, wow, I used to be friends with those people and now I'm not, you know? So yeah, being but current is important. That's a good example. Yeah. It's tempting to let that shape your future friendships. And you're mm-hmm. like, mm, new neighborhood, like, mm, hi neighbors. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to go there because... I'm going to have to move eventually or they'll move eventually, right? That apathetic mindset comes from a hurt. And so if we can peel back the layers, we can invite the Lord to give us insight. Mm, Why am I doing this? Okay, this is a coping mechanism. And is it really helping me in the long term or is it just Mm. helping me in the short term? And so in our book, we talk about God's defense mechanism, God's defense system. We have our defense mechanisms, but God has his system that he creates. His way is perfect. And we get the the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith and all all of the armor that he talks about that helps us. And so when we look at God's way, we can acknowledge, oh, it is kind of different than what I do to cope. And so understanding, kind of digging into that, I think can really help. And it's it's helped us a lot for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. It was super helpful to me and I know it's going to be helpful to our listeners. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so much. For having us. You can find Chuck and Ashley at chuckandashley.com. They're on Facebook as Chuck and Ashley. And on Instagram, you can find them as Chuck and Ashley Elliott. I'll link to all of that, plus where you can find their book in the show notes. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If so, I'd like to ask a favor. Can you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? Besides sharing this podcast with your friends, leaving a review is one of the most effective ways that you can support us and help get the word out about the incredible resources we have to offer. I'm passionate about helping families thrive and your reviews help families find us. And remember, family culture isn't about perfect, it's about purpose.